the EIGs helped foster that sense of togetherness, camaraderie, and support during not just with the COVID pandemic, but our racial and social justice pandemic, workforce changes, people's personal lives being affected on on different levels. Our EIGs have really been a workforce support for so many people. Welcome to Top Shelf Integrity, where we give you an inside look at how we, the Beam Centauri on-premise team, maintain our best-in-class standards in the alcohol industry, and what makes us the best team in the business, bar none. It's about service at the end of the day, and we're going to show you how we do our thing so you can level up yours. What does Top Shelf Leadership do differently? What does it mean to show up for your customers and your teammates? How do you balance innovation and honoring legacy? It's all here. So grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's pour one out. Welcome back to Top Shelf Integrity, everyone. My name is Robin Nance. I am the Senior Manager of Trade Engagement here at Beam Suntory. I have been with Beam Suntory for about six or seven years. Time is a flat circle. Um, and uh, before joining Beam Centauri, I had about 25 plus years in the hospitality industry, running various bars and restaurants across the United States. And today I am joined by Monique Ozan. <laughs> Hello, Monique. Hi, Robin. Great uh, to see you. It's great to see you. Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, what your role is and your background? Sure. I am the newly appointed director for North America on the DNI team. So new function at Beam Centauri as of January when we brought our chief diversity, equity, inclusion officer on board. Her name is Victoria Russell. Um, so I'm working under her. I'm also working on our North America leadership team and working in this new function that we are so happy to have at Beam Centauri. So I've been at Beam Centauri for three and a half years working working in global marketing. So I know the industry. I love this company um, and I'm happy to be here and talk a little bit about our topic for the day. I'm very excited. I'm very excited for you and your new role. Thank you you for joining me today. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the internal and external impact of employee impact groups. Uh, And then I want to touch a little bit on how the hospitality industry is setting the pace for the social justice conversation in the spirits industry. So over the past few years, we've seen an increase in hate crimes and brutality targeting underrepresented groups across the globe, but really specifically here in the United States. And with lockdowns due to COVID, I think people became a lot more aware um, and had the time to focus on what was actually happening in our world. And it really sparked a massive social justice movement. Many companies shared messages of solidarity and vowed to do and be better. Employee impact groups are a big part of keeping the momentum going for fundamental change. So I'd really like to kind of start off with what is an employee impact group? Yes. Um, an employee impact group, often known as employee resource groups. However, um, Beam Centauri creatively coined this as impact groups, right? We are looking to make an impact on our business and particularly an impact on our people. So we're looking at these employee impact groups as internal employee-led affinity groups. Typically, they're around a dimension of diversity, special interest, common bond, or just a similar background. But 
the goal of these is to, you know, really to aim to foster a positive, productive, um, and inclusive environment by way of not only supporting the organization, um, the people, but the company's overall goals around often attraction, retention, promotion development, um, and just, again, making this an inclusive and better place for everyone to grow. Um, but really what makes these successful and what necessitates these employee impact groups is, you know, balancing the D and the I. So making sure that you do have diverse representation across uh, a ton of different uh, dimensions of diversity, but also being inclusive. So making sure allyship is important. Um, and I think we do a pretty good job of that at Beam Centauri. And I love, I love the concept of thinking about, you know, civil rights, they would not have progressed without allies, um, ableism and, and disability rights, right? The balance there is, is having the advocates to be able to fight on behalf of those who, who, you know, may be in more of a minority group. So I think we're doing a good job of that. Um, and I love, I love what we've done with the EIGs here at Beam Centauri. I won't get too ahead of myself though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, that's a great segue because that was actually going to be my next question. I would love to hear from you um, and I, I've had the a great privilege of working with you closely on our bold um, employee impact group. Uh, and You've work- been such a great ally. Oh, definition of uh, I, just, I, I love the work that we've done and, and some of the amazing speakers and events that we've been able to put on. But I would love to hear from you a little bit more about Beam Centauri's EIG journey. Gosh, <laughs> this is a hard one because um, it, it's really been kind of a great um a great journey um, for Beam Centauri. And what I really love is, is actually something that Victoria uh, came in and preached early on. Um, you know, she really is a firm believer in you support what you help create. Um, and I think that's really great about what has been created here at Beam Centauri is that the employee impact groups were really kind of employee demand driven. It was something that came out of a small group of people meeting in a room, trying to figure out how we can create a governance structure um, and be represented again across these different points of diversity. We're really passionate about making sure that we can find some way to have our voices heard, our people represented here at Beam Centauri. It was interesting. You had a few people who have been at Beam Centauri a long time and they've kind of been through the ebb and flow of seeing these success and failures. But I really think that uh, the strength started to come in numbers when you saw a few more diverse hires by way of leadership and you saw the support there. So it really started out as, again, a few of us meeting in a room, whiteboarding, and then coming up with a proposal. And then again, going by uh, pretty much employee demand, right? And that's when we stood up bold, uh, salute, and prism, right? Our black, Hispanic, Latinx, and LGBTQ plus IA um, impact groups. And from there, we, you know, we put the governing structure around, um, we call it the council, um, our diversity council, um, more eloquently known as the council here at Beam Centauri. Um, and that really led us through um, the top of 2020, where we were excited, we were launching our EIGs. We all know what happened soon thereafter, very early into 2020. But I'm, I'm so happy and I feel so lucky that we were able to stand this up at that time. Because I do believe that the EIGs helped kind of foster that sense of togetherness, um, camaraderie, and support during what has really been an ongoing year, year and a half, um, not just with the COVID pandemic, but our racial and social justice pandemic, particularly in the United States, 
um, workforce changes, people's personal lives being affected on, on different levels. We could go on and on about what the past year and a half has, has brought on, but our EIGs have really kind of been a workforce support for so many people. I love that. And I, I completely agree. Um, I know it's been, it's, it's been one of those, it's always a meeting I look forward to and I get very excited about the events that we do and very sad when I can't attend something um, <laughs> virtual. They're all virtual. Yes. Um, and I love, <laughs> I love that the council lends itself to that like initial a few people in a room. Um, yes, it was very, uh, you know, grassroots, right? If I dip back to my political days, it, it really has been a grassroots movement. And again, just going back to that beautiful sentiment that Victoria shared, you support what you help, right? Um, and we're lucky to have people who were at the beginning of this journey, who helped create this, who believe in it so strongly, and who have seen the benefits. And, you know, we're only in year two. Um, and now we have a plethora of employee impact groups in just such a demand and, and now an entire uh, organizational structure around DE&I. So just kudos to this organization for um, responding to the demand and the desire and changing quickly and adapting, right? I love that. <laughs> love it. I actually would love to hear this from you as well. Sure. What is the long-term vision for, um, I, I would say let's focus on what's the long-term vision for diversity, equity, and inclusion here at Beam Suntory? And, you know, how do the EIGs impact that? Sure. Um, I may start with the latter for the EIG portion, but in terms of what the EIGs are, are really aiming to do is a couple things. One is having this open forum um, for those, again, within the affinity groups that have the common interests, concern, background, um, to be able to kind of have that kinship within the organization. It's important for people to feel represented in the workplace, um, not just by way of what you do from a professional standpoint, but there are similar backgrounds. There are cultural codes and cues. Um, and it's amazing how much that really plays into what your workplace experience can be like and just the relatability and baseline trust, particularly if you're someone new in the organization and you don't know anybody. Um, there is a level of familiarity, no different than oh, we went to the same college or our hometowns are, are not that, you know, far away from one another. Um, you know, those degrees of separation from someone, they really do matter in terms of allowing people to feel included. So that's definitely one thing that the employee impacts uh, impact groups do. But that's also something we're trying to echo and, and preach from a um, DE&I uh, organizational structure standpoint. You know, this is also a resource for the organization um, for keeping up with with change, right? And, and to an extent, right? The EIGs can help foster um, knowledge, help keep a pulse on culture, help serve as that representation for kind of the outside in perspective. Um, and we do this very well with a lot of our EIGs. We're a business of brands, right? We, we have to make sure that our consumers are, are understanding the messaging of our brands um, and want consumers to connect with us externally. But, you know, it's really on each individual employee within Beam Centauri to kind of take it up on themselves and take on their own responsibility, um, you know, to kind of learn what's happening out in the world. So I liken it to, I can give you directions, right? You can come to me and say, how can I get from point A to point B and reach my destination? I'm happy to give you the directions, but you're the one that has to take the drive. And then the last point is really advocating for a respectful community and workplace. And I, I really think it goes back to supporting what you help create 
And people's perceptions um, are honestly their reality. So if you are perceiving something about how the workplace is changing, um, and if you believe in it, you're going to be be more likely to be a supporter. And if you see the change, you're able to believe in it. So you see our workplace diversifying. You're seeing the culture change by way of our priorities within the organization, the language that we're using, the type of internal programming, um, the recruitment and retention and development uh, plans that we're rolling out. That may be, oh, the perception is that the organization is changing and moving in a certain direction. And yeah, that's the reality. <laughs> so I do think it's it's a good balance of allowing people to again see what we're what we're talking about, see diversity, equity, and inclusion in action. And I think they're more likely to again be okay with going on the journey because everyone is at a different juncture um, in their DEI journey, and that's okay. We need to like allow people to go on that journey again by themselves um, and hold themselves accountable. I love that. Uh, I was actually having a conversation yesterday with someone who does not work for us, and we were discussing sort of a personal D DNI journey. And they mentioned that um, it was very obvious to people outside of our business the work that Beam Centauri has done in this area. And I was like, oh, I love that. Like, well, it made me, it made me a little teary. <laughs> I was like, that's so great. Yeah. Wow, that's wonderful to hear. It's always nice to hear positive feedback, right? Because we do work. Um, with so many external, what we call suppliers, even though we are a supplier, but external vendors and partners. So to kind of hear that played back to us, um, we're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, feels really good. You touched a little bit on this in, in your last answer, but, and I think I mean this as a, a broader you, not you specifically, but answer it however you'd like. Sure. How do you inspire culture change in an industry that if we're being honest, has historically not been very diverse or inclusive? Yeah, I think that's a great, a great question. Um, and when you think about it, it's, it's kind of jarring to even internalize that, right? And think about the fact that we haven't, right? And then in all facets of um, kind of the alcohol industry, I came from beer before I entered into the spirits space. So for me, as a marketer, I always think about starting with our consumer. They are our end user. Um, we at Beam Centauri like to think of ourselves as brand ambassadors for all of our different brands and for the company, which is something I do love. Um, we're able to kind of be the the vocal voice and, and kind of share our brands and slide that drink over down to a bar to a friend or a colleague who asks what we're drinking. Um, but our consumer, if I'm thinking about it from a marketing standpoint, anyone who is 21 and over in the United States who consumes alcohol. That's who we're, who we're marketing to. Um, I hear it. So I really think that it's so important for our organization to look to culture and understand what's happening, what's top of mind for our consumers and our employees. Sometimes it's not going to be that different. Um, and I, again, the EIGs do help with this, right? We have people that are working out in different markets and whether you're working in Metro New York, or whether you're working in, you know, some part of, you know, Ozark, Missouri. <laughs> I was like, where's she going to go with this? I'm so excited. I was just going a little bit further <laughs> towards the Midwest, Great Plains, at a, as a Midwesterner, I, I need to be careful about <laughs> making sure I'm not um, taking jabs at a kind of where I'm from, um, especially. But you know, we'd be remiss not to say that there's obviously complete differences between the coasts 
um, and more Midland America, particularly in the U.S. here. Um, so you you need to understand what those differences are and what those different dynamics are um, and just who drives the culture um, and how we can keep a pulse on culture and our consumers. That's really that's really how we need to understand, like, What's lacking? How to attract, you know, new emerging employees, right? Students looking to enter the workforce, they're going to be different. They're going to be different minded. They're going to have different challenges just by the nature of, of the world and what's happening in the outside environment. Um, and I, what I love about this industry is it does touch so many other industries. And I think having those consistent conversations about how hospitality affects our industry, right? How, how marketing communications, how branding affects our industry, how people are consuming and, and staying entertained, that affects our industry. Think of the number of places people consume alcohol. It's a social industry. Um, it's about you know family and friends coming together, and that happens in so many different places. So we can't just think of where they're actually purchasing the product from, but we really need to think about that in consumer more and let them tell us what's happening in the world. It's, it's the, this industry, the hospitality industry, it's just such a beautiful kind of matrix of culture. And it's important just to keep a pulse on that culture, honestly. I love that. I, think, I mean, you touched on a couple of things there that I think are really important. We think about how, how drinking culture changed in the past 18 months. Yes. Alone. <laughs> Yes. I don't think anybody thought that we'd have cocktails to go cocktails in to go. multiple states across the country. Shout so. out to cocktails to go for getting so many of us <laughs> <laughs> through a pandemic and a, a lot of our uh, accounts yeah. as well. Right. Absolutely. Um, but how convenient it has been to be able to pick up your food and cocktails to go. And it's been fun, right? Being able to um, have that inventiveness and creative creativeness with our industry. And again, going to where the, the kind of demand is, but where our industry is kind of necessitating, we think outside the box. So beautiful example of, again, this is a culture change. This is something that's happening out in the world. It touches many areas of our business, um, but ultimately this is what consumers are looking for. And now you have legislation that has allowed cocktails to go to stay in, in a number of different states, right? Yeah. So great point. You brought up hospitality, and in my role, I work very, very closely with the hospitality industry. Oh, yes. And I I find um, that they, by nature of what they do, I always say the hospitality industry is the eyes and ears of their community. Absolutely. And I, I find that they really are sort of at the forefront of these issues. They're really vocal, and they're really out there, you know, fighting and talking about these social justice issues. What are what are some of the things that we can learn from them in regards to social justice and, and how are we applying that with our, our DEI journey? Absolutely. Gosh, I love this question. It gets me really excited. Um, again, just to think about culture. Have I said that word enough? <laughs> um, but the hospitality industry, they have a heavy hand in driving culture change. Um, it's where diversity thrives. So from food gathering spaces, safe spaces. These are often historically family-owned institutions um, that celebrate food and culture um, as almost an art form, right? If you think back to, you know, maybe your hometown um, or growing up, so many people have a favorite restaurant. They have a favorite meal at home. Um, maybe that was adopted again from a restaurant or um, you've gone out to dinner and you've, you've 
hoped that this restaurant can replicate mom's famous this or grandma and grandpa's famous that or, um, you know, oh, I, I loved going over to my friend's house and we used to have have this or, you know, as as a meal together. It could be something so small, but food is kind of one of those, um, you know, basic human needs that that does bring everyone together. And it touches all different facets of culture, all different backgrounds. And, and, and again, it is appreciated as an art form in, in so many different ways. And I think we say that in the spirits industry as well. Drinks can be an art form as well. We talk a lot about food and culinary pairings. We talk a lot about how our brands can show up and these very um, culturally driven moments and occasions and how drinks are, are kind of fostered around that. So I love that it can be at the forefront of equity because if a restaurant is, um, you know, of a certain dimension of diversity, you may hear, you know, chatter over the kitchen, right? And, and the cooks talking about something that affects them. Um, we've seen a lot during the pandemic about helping support the hospitality industry. And I've seen a lot of chatter about I am getting takeout this weekend because I care about this local business or I know that family. I've been patroning that restaurant in my neighborhood for years and years. And, you know, maybe I don't know them on a personal level, but I really care about them and I really care about how they're a stable or fixture in the community. So it really does, um, to your point, have have really a foundational purpose um, and conversations around equity allow around allowing someone to um, again achieve, achieve their kind of version of American success again particularly in the US I really love um, I love this question because the hospitality industry we, they're in the business of creating our community um, of making it better um, of having that landmark destination or someone's coming to visit you're probably going to take them out to eat at one of your favorite places because that shows something about yourself and it, it says something about you, even though you're just a patron of that restaurant, right? So it does so much more than provide a service. It provides um, identity, connectivity, um, relationship building, gathering places, like I mentioned. So um, that's really what I love about the hospitality industry and how it contributes to what we think about from a diversity, equity, inclusion standpoint. I love that. Um... You, you said a lot that that resonates really firm, strongly with me. I've, I've said for years that, you know, food and drink are the kind of the great connectors. Absolutely. And I think it's so ingrained in global culture right. that you come together over food and drink that we often take it for granted. What a way, again, to learn about the city, um, to connect with someone, have a lovely conversation when you're just kind of transiting from one place to another. Um, but again, it's really that that helped me learn more about the culture of Chicago and connect with, you know, the place I newly called home. Love that. What a great idea. Yeah. Everyone take that idea. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Awesome. covid obviously changed the landscape of social justice and the urgency for businesses to incorporate learnings. We are now nearly two years from the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. What have we learned and what have we adopted and where do we go from here? I think we're still learning, um, which is, which is kind of, <laughs> kind of daunting to say, right? Because I don't know if, you know, a lot of us have lived through moments and times where every day, every moment, it, it feels very difficult to plan in the future, right? Like I have um, a trip to go visit my family lined up in the next couple of weeks and I'm nervous um, about what to expect. And, you know, I know I'll need to review the 
COVID protocols and, and seeing my um, extended family to make sure everything is safe. Um, so when I think about COVID, when I think about, um, you know, that just in itself, it's very hard to plan. So I think we're still learning about how, um, you know, how that's going to change our future, but just how it's going to change us from a socialization standpoint, um, how we can interact with other people and just our, con- our concept of being able to plan ahead for the future. But from a social justice standpoint, I think one of the biggest things that I hope people saw was how deep the inequities lie within the United States um, specifically and other parts of the world. Um, And we don't have to touch on, um, again, what we're seeing overseas, but COVID affected the globe, uh, you know, in different ways, shapes and forms. But I think it's important for businesses to understand that you you do need to really serve and think about your employees on an individual basis and everyone has different needs and challenges and the way that their personal lives kind of affect them um, from a workplace standpoint. Um, there's no separation, right? It's, it's not necessarily work-life balance or it's not, I'm closing my laptop and um, you know, all the responsibilities of the day, week, month, or what have you stay within my computer. That is, that is not the case, right? It's more of we're living in this world where it's work-life integration um, and people want, want that in some sense. They want to care about where they work um, and you know they want that to be an extension of themselves, not their sole identity, but people do want to have pride in where they work and how that represents them and how that allows them to have you know, a better life life balance. So I think that's one of the things that that we've learned is that, you know, everyone has different personal situations. I mean, you were brought into people's living rooms, bedrooms, <laughs> um, desks, you know, maybe um, I had a colleague that worked in her closet because it was one of the quietest places in our home when she was caring for her under two-year-old son. So I think that's one thing we've learned is um, adapt, adjust, but keep going. You know, momentum is is important. Have deeper empathy, being able to listen and learn and take responsibility um, in your own right, right? It's not anyone's responsibility, particularly from a social justice standpoint, to kind of explain to you or lay out the roadmap for how they're feeling or what's going on. It's okay to have that dialogue. And, you know, at Beam Centauri, the EIGs, I think, did a pretty good job of fostering kind of safe spaces and open forum spaces to allow for that conversation, but also um, give people space to kind of allow them to digest what was happening in the world. And certainly um, the organization also supported the demands and needs of the employees by saying, this is one way I think we can help our community. This is one way where we're seeing a need um, and just kind of responding and adapting uh, pretty quickly to that. So I think those are some of the things that we've learned. I have a personal sentiment of just keep going. Um, and, and there's, there's really no idea of failure. It's, it's really about having the conversations, listening, being okay to say the wrong thing, um, or, or be wrong or, um, kind of be vulnerable. I really think that I know there's such simple concepts and sometimes they're just words, but that's really, I think what allows change to happen is just keep going and, and trust the process. And you're, you're going to be surprised how much empathy um, and grace people give you along the way. So those would be kind of, again, my my words of advice. <laughs> be careful. I'm going to have you do another podcast with me on uh, vulnerability and uh, <laughs> being open to to 
ask the wrong things. Yes. <laughs> it, it, again, it's, it's easier, I think, said than done um, because n- no one likes to be wrong, right? But man, the best change happens, you know, kind of after failure. And I'm certainly not always going to get it right on this DNI journey, but I'm okay with doing a couple of wrong things and trying it and failing fast and recovering quickly to be able to kind of get to the right thing. And all I ask is, is some grace along the way, because that's exactly what I would give others. I think it's important that, especially for us in this industry, I think, it, you know, not that we, we always appreciate the, the hospitality industry and the on-premise, but I think because we do it for a living, it's really easy for us to just be like, oh yeah, we're out. We're going to, you know, we're going to go have some cocktails. We're going to have some food yep. and enjoy each other's company and obviously say hello to our friends who work there. But I, one thing that I always try to do is just take that moment and kind of look around. Mm -hmm. I also will always be a restaurant person where I'm looking around and going, how can I, can I help? Can I do some roll-ups in the back? Like, (laughs) do you need me to expo in the kitchen? Um, But I always take that moment and kind of soak it in quietly and, and really appreciate the, the privilege Mm -hmm. of enjoying that food and enjoying that cocktail and the effort and the, and the work that they put in. So absolutely. It's, it's such a, it's such an important and honestly unique part of, of culture all around the world, not just in the U S um, we're just, just food is that central point, right? It, um, you know, I was out with some of the other uh, colleagues at Beam Centurion leadership team and we did kind of a fun icebreaker. And one of the questions was, um, you know, what, what's a place on your bucket list? Um, and then we talked about if you could only have three foods for the next month, what would they be? I think we spent probably 40 minutes talking about this. And it wasn't just about the travel. It wasn't just about um, the destination. It was a very spirited, friendly debate about food. And you're going from, you know, the complexities of Pizza can be different things, right? To my ice cream flavor is superior to yours. And, um, you know, how many ways can you make mashed potatoes? And no, I like it this way because they make it this way in this part of the country. And there's a specific restaurant that does it this way. And that's really what I would want to eat every day. (laughs) Right. And just, um, again, the regional U.S. battles, um, you know, when you think about some of our leaders from just different parts of the country, um, food gets personal. Um, food and drink gets personal. And you kind of will give someone a side eye if they have a certain, um, you know, flavor profile or a kind of turn their nose up at something. And you think that they're they're missing out um, a little bit. So, gosh, food is just food is the great unifier. Um and, and really, anytime you get a conversation, we've had bold meetings where we've had icebreakers. And we played one gotta go. And I, I guess I just really remember the, the debate about condiments and everyone, you know, going at it. It's funny because I remember the stuffing, the great stuffing debate. Oh, from Thanksgiving. From Thanksgiving. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is it stuffing or is it dressing? Yeah. Which, you know, which way does it go? Yeah. Yeah. We spent how much time um, just talking about Thanksgiving dinner and, and kind of breaking down again, what is your, what is your preference? What does your plate look like? And I think I had tears in my eyes as I'm sitting at home, um, you know, kind of moderating this, but I still, you know, my, I think my stomach uh, is still sore from just again, laughing at people's really, you know, they're really adamant. (laughs) It was, it was a passionate, uh, heated debate. Oh, for sure. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Yes. And again, it's always, it's always the great unifier, right? And it's, um, what a subjective, objective topic. (laughs) I love it. That's great. Well, on that note, um, one, I cannot thank you enough for joining us here today. I, like I said earlier, I literally could talk to you all day. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to close it out. Sure. On theme. Okay. What is your desert island cocktail? If you could only drink one cocktail or you're abandoned on an island with no hope of rescue. Oh gosh, I hope I have ice. Well, I mean, let's pretend you do. Let's pretend it's an island with an ice machine. Sure. (laughs) It's it's a fancy island that no one lives on. What's your cocktail? (laughs) Let's see. Really, I'm going to have to think about this for a second because I haven't been drinking. <laughs> I know, right? I know. I, of course, I asked the hard question. So many things I haven't drank in, in so long. <laughs> okay, well, let's do this. What drink do you want most first after you have the baby? <laughs> oh, gosh. I really can't wait to have a glass of red wine. Um, but if I'm sticking true to, to our beautiful portfolio of brands, I, I really can't wait to have, um, I think, just a a good pour of maybe a Maker's 46. Oh. Um, I just I just can't wait to have some bourbon. <laughs> and I am a bourbon fan. Um, and I don't think you come in or out of this organization without loving bourbon or whiskey in some form. I will say it's not it's not all across the board <laughs> for everybody. But gosh, I can't wait to have Maker's probably Maker's 46. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. That's a, that's a perfect answer. Thank you. What about you? What's yours? So I've always said for years, I don't know if I have a desert island cocktail, but my my desert island whiskey, um, it always surprises people too, is Glengarry. Mm. Our little quiet sleeper scotch. Yes. Um, I love I love that whiskey. It's so beautiful. And I think it's so, I want to say undervalued, because I do think that, that people within and outside of the organization love it but it's just sort of this tiny little brand that mm. you know sits in its beautiful little scottish village but it's just it's such beautiful <laughs> beautiful um, maybe i'll have some this weekend i'll have some in your honor thank you <laughs> leave it to robin to always find the gems in our portfolio honestly honestly it's, that's such a good one yeah i like to find the little little sneaky sleepers yes well, thank you again. Um, and thank let's, you. let's, to- what should we toast to? Let's toast to the growth and development of our employee impact groups. Um, I love that. We have more that we want to stand up by the end of the year. That's the goal. Um, and we're still building out our TNI team, um, which is exciting. I th- you know, we're on, we're on a journey to continue to grow this, drive organizational change. I'm here to do it in North America, um, have an international counterpart, but I'm really excited where we're at in this journey. Um, Again, allies like you uh, make it a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable to do this kind of work. Um, And I'm just excited to continue on this journey. Well, again, I thank you so much. And here is to the future of our employee impact groups at Beam Centauri. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Top Shelf Integrity is brought to you by Beam Centauri, Inc., Chicago, Illinois. Remember to always drink responsibly.